Hello, and welcome to Tech Champagne, a wealth expansion podcast designed to help you turn simple ideas into major impact and big revenue. I'm Elisa Wilcox, and I've spent the last 11 years helping women entrepreneurs build six and seven figure businesses with simple systems and automation. I'm here to guide you and give you my exact strategies for money, marketing, and automated business growth so you can create the life and business you truly desire. The income level you really want is well within your reach. Let's do this together. Hello and welcome back to Tech Champagne. I'm Elisa Wilcox, your host. And today I am here with Jesse Brizendine. We have our first male guest today, which is super exciting. I've known Jesse for, I don't know, at least 10 years. We met in the gym and um, it's been really fun connecting with Jesse over the years. I'm really excited to have you on today. Welcome, Jesse. Hey, thanks for having me. And gosh, first <laughs> male and what a cool name, Tech Champagne. <laughs> yes. I didn't know we were doing cocktails. <laughs> I know we should have come armed with yes. our favorite champagne today. That's okay. Yeah. Next time, next time. Um, so Jesse, you are a speaker. You're a life coach. You are a podcaster. You're an aspiring good human. And what else? There's so many things about you. Aspiring good human, a dedicated <laughs> professional wrestling fan, a still in mourning over the loss of buffets. Hey, you know, it's been no buffets this last year and a half, really. So that I'm still deeply mourning that. Oh, and so. I am a forever optimist at the very best of humanity and a massive fan of random acts of kindness. Oh, I love that. You're also a cat dad. I am a cat dad. I'm a very proud cat dad. (laughs) We were talking a few minutes ago about how we spoil our our fur kids. And you said that your cat Livy has her own AC set up right now. It's a bit warm today here in Santa Barbara. Yes. She, she weighs about seven and a half, maybe 7.7 pounds. And I'm looking at her right now. She's on her there's two cat trees next to each other. So she has her choice of cat trees to go on. Uh, the other one's for her brother, but her brother likes to lay near the bathroom where his, his treats are, but she wants to hang out with me. And so she has one or two cat trees she can choose from. And she has an air conditioning unit that is probably oh, two and a half, three feet tall, you know, a foot wide. It's a unit that's designed to basically cool an entire front wing of a house. And it's all just for her. <laughs> I love that. Mine was uh, crying a few minutes ago. My dog, I'm allergic to cats, but my dog was crying because he wants to go out and lay in the sun. And he's very upset that he has to be in the house right now while we podcast. So our fur kids are well taken care of. They are. They're so spoiled. <laughs> and something we were also chatting about a few minutes ago, it's been 10 years, I think you said, since you started coaching. And one thing that I've always admired about you, um, you know, I've, spent a lot of time like online, seeing what people are up to, seeing what you're doing. And you have this like knack, this magical knack for creating community. And so two things that come to mind that we were talking about as well is you have two sort of not, I don't want to call them programs, but two great activities that you run. One is called the one year, 1000 things. Mm -hmm. And I want to hear about that because I I just love this story. 10 years ago, well, actually, I guess it would have been a little bit more than 10 years ago, but 10 years ago, I did the one year, 1000 challenge where I challenged myself to do a thousand things I'd never done before in one calendar year. The reason I did this was because the year prior I had gone through a couple 
really challenging losses. I lost one of my best friends to suicide. And then shortly after that, my father died unexpectedly. And I was in that funk and I was really just, you know, God struggling. It felt like that kind of dark cloud was following me everywhere I went. And I wanted to get back to being happy. And I really wanted to get back to living. I was with some friends and we were randomly going to Dave and Buster's and I, it came out in conversation. I'd never been to a Dave and Buster's before. And the conversation, well, you've never been to a Dave and Buster's. Where, what else have you done? Well, I haven't done this, haven't done that. And then, we, you know, kind of progressed there as conversations sometimes too. Well, wouldn't it be cool if I try to do a new thing every week next year? Or wouldn't it be cool if I try to do a hundred things? And I said, you know, it'd be really awesome if I tried to do a thousand things I'd never done before next year. And it was like, a, one thing a week is too easy. A hundred, I could probably really push it, but a thousand would be so hard and difficult that would force me to stretch and get myself out of this kind of funk that I've been in for a while. So the idea was, is I had to do at least, I had to do at least one new thing every day. You have to average close to three, obviously to get it to a thousand. And over the course of a year, I ended up doing, I think it was 1,022, 1,023 new things I did. And this had to be in context of you know, working normal hours, doing all those mm -hmm. things. It wasn't a takeoff around the world, you know, bucket list thing. It was a lot of them yeah. were very simple little things. And some of them were really big, you know, big fun things to do too. But it was such a neat experience about really, it was my first foray, foray into what I'd really call intentional living. Uh, you know, living and waking up, not just going through the motions of the alarm clock goes, you're going to get up, go to work, do whatever you do every day. But you're getting up and you have a plan outside of the normal parameters of your day. I love that intentional living. I think that's um, something that is really developed. I think, you know, sometimes social media gives us gifts and I think one of them is connection and introducing these new ideas that we didn't have, you know, in the eighties and nineties, cause it just didn't feel accessible or acceptable for, you know, whatever reason. But I love this idea of intentional living and, and doing new things. And something I shared with you a few minutes ago is that I was inspired by this um, when you started it, I was going through a divorce and I thought, you know what, I'm not, I'm not going to go to work anymore and sit and, you know, get my, my fluorescent light tan every day, watching the world go by. I'm not going to do that anymore. It was yeah. just a life, a life event that kind of kicked me in the ass and was like, all right, what are we really going to do with our life? Because this is not it. It's not it. So what I did was I made a list of a hundred things to do in my life. I didn't feel like a thousand things in one year was within reach at that point in my life, but similar kind of path yeah. to, you know, the, the inspiration there. So the hundred things to do became something I would post about on Facebook. And then people would ask me if they could do the things with me. And to mm. me, that was so magic. It was so magical. One of the things, um, and then I want to hear about some of the, I'm just going to share three, but one of them was to somersault the length of a football field. No way. <laughs> That's cool. I love that. Starting at, the, starting at the one yard line or starting in goalpost to goalpost? Goalpost. Wow. So you added in, what is that, an extra 20 yards on it then? <laughs> yes. How did you feel um, when you got to the other end and you stood up for the first time? Dizzy. <laughs> <laughs> dizzy. And one of the other things was um, to go to a new church, check out a religion that I didn't grow up with, that I had no knowledge of. And um, I was traveling, I was in Mississippi. Uh, with a girlfriend of mine and I went to a Baptist church in the South. So cool. Life-changing. So, so cool. 
so, so, so amazing. Another thing, the third thing was uh, no alcohol for 90 days. The clarity you have when you make these changes is just, it's, it's phenomenal. So can you share a couple of the things that were on your list? Yeah. I, I, first of all, thank you for sharing those. I, I love that yeah. those, and there's two, I just want to acknowledge. I, it, I did the church one too. I did it. I went to a church service in another country. And then I went to a church service that was not in my native language. So I, I attended a church service wow. in Spanish, which was really cool. And then the somersault one, I think is so great because when people hear this like this, they often think that again, it's a bucket list. And so you're going to do all the big stuff. You're going to see the great wall of China. You're going to the grand mm -hmm. Canyon doing those things, but really it's a, again, it's an intentional living. It's doing something that could be fun and silly, like somersaulting from one end of a football field to another, because it's not so much about what it is in terms of the scope of it. It's just about something that resonates with you that you really, really want to do. And I had a few of those. I had the, you know, mine, some of mine were watching the sunrise at a certain point. It was, it was going to doing the tourist things in local town that you never had been I was living in Santa Barbara for however many years. I'd never gone to the mission. So going and seeing that wow. you know, thing, there was a, you know, having a conversation with a centurion. So I mm -hmm. think this lady who I met and spoke with was about 102, 103 years old at the time. Uh, learning how to play a song on the violin. I had my friends, kids who were about four and five years old at the time teach me. And then my favorite one I did during that time was created this event called International Sunrise Sunset Day. And at the time, the community had started to become really big. And I would hear people talk about wanting to travel, wanting to do these things. And they would, I always enjoyed posting sunrise and sunset photos. The idea came about, well, what would it be like if everybody posted a photo of the sunrise or sunset wherever they were in the world? And just would people be interested in it? Well, that first year we had people from, I think it was about, 15 different countries, about 32 of the states posted and participated. And it was so neat because you got to watch the sunrise and set around the world. There's photos from the Eiffel Tower. There's photos in, in you know, random town, Arizona or small town, USA. And it was so neat and people were really moved by it. And that event has since evolved into this annual event where every year on September 12th, we do a sunrise sunset day, but it's now an event to honor loved ones lost. And I encourage people to take a photo of the sunrise or sunset in honor of somebody they've lost, and then to either perform an act of kindness and honor them or, and, or make a donation to a charity or nonprofit and honor them. And what's so incredible, he says, now here we are doing this. I think we're nine, 10 years into it. We've had tens of thousands of people from around the world, over 115 countries, We've had all seven continents participate. We've even had research stations in Antarctica participate on the day. And, you know, so you've literally seen the sunrise and sunset blink at the globe, but more than anything, it's again, that intentional living piece. It's people stopping with the busyness, the hustle and the bustle, the craziness that life is, you know, chasing after what they think they're supposed to chase after to really stop and just be present to themselves and, and the mortality of life. And connect with those who they've lost. And it's just, it's really such a beautiful day. And that evolved out of, you know, kind of same thing as doing a somersault, just an idea of something that I thought would be cool or fun to do. And now it's easily one of the most meaningful days. And it's my favorite holiday of the year. I love that. I will be participating this year. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I, I just love how, you know, life's curveballs 
come at us and we can create these really powerful things out of it or not. It's a choice, you know? Yeah. It's what is it? I often tell people one person's shit is another person's fertilizer. (laughs) You can flush it or you can grow something with it (laughs) or maybe sit there and stew in it. But I encourage you to, if you're going to experience it, grow something out of it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And it becomes, I think when you um, are not having, you know, intention with your day, I think you can get stuck in, in sort of like the groundhog day, you know, with, I think a lot of us were affected during the pandemic, during lockdown, quarantine, whatever, it just became the same thing day in and day out. And some people took that as an opportunity to hike during the day because they weren't having to go into the office. And some people took that as I'm going to watch Netflix all day and eat potato chips. So to have, you know, tools and people and support. Like I know a lot of people have benefited greatly by having you as a support, as a, as a coach or attending, you know, your speaking engagements. I think that's really the key is having people around you or tools around you or experiences around you that really help you move forward in a way that feels good. Cause I know groundhog day doesn't, it doesn't feel good to me. It doesn't. Yeah. You know, and it was such an interesting thing with the groundhog days because it was like, the pandemic, I, there was, I think there was two Groundhog Days. There was part one and then the sequel. And part one was it woke <laughs> us up from the Groundhog Day most of us had lived in. We just didn't realize yes. it. Yes. And then the sequel was all of a sudden after <laughs> the first two or three weeks of it went by and we were kind of like, oh, this is kind of cool slowing down and walking around and being able to go for a hike or stand in our pajamas longer, or doing this Zoom happy hour thing. Then all of a sudden we're like, oh my God, are we doing Zoom again today? So there was, <laughs> there was the first Groundhog Day that most of us didn't realize we're living and then there's a second one where after the novelty of that, the kind of yeah. the pause wore off, we started to really realize how much we missed some of those things we took for granted before. I, I gave a mm-hmm. talk earlier this year that said where it was to a group of people who had mostly been office workers. It was a virtual thing, virtual keynote. And people were saying how much they missed going into the office and being around the people who even the people, they, and they were like, even the people who used to annoy us, I really kind of miss being around them. And, you know, those were the same people that a year prior they were complaining about. They'd come home and complain about to their husband, their wife, their family. Oh, so-and-so is just, blah, 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 blah. and now they're missing them because they're missing that community. They're missing that connection that they didn't realize they got from that. Yeah. Yeah. And as entrepreneurs, uh, it's challenging. I know a lot of people that listen to this podcast are entrepreneurs and sometimes we get stuck in sort of our own bubble and working at home and we're alone and it's, it's an effort. And for a lot of people, a struggle to find community, to find people to be around. So for your clients, what would you say is the biggest struggle or the, maybe the top reason they come to work with you? Time and time again, the struggle is always maintaining a connection of purpose you know, having, I actually know there's two pieces. There's a a maintaining connection to purpose and having a clear identity of, and then acting in accordance to core values. When those things are in place, that's where people start to go off kilter. And I see that time and time again with, with folks, especially I think when we think we start to go to scale, uh, when we when you're getting into the newness of entrepreneurship and you get that first few sales, you start to bring income in and it, it's it's great, it's excited, that passion's there. And then as I think we go to scale and those things to really start to become more normal, normalized, when we don't have that greater sense of purpose and we aren't clearly connected and aware of what our core values are, 
it's going to be really easy to lose ourselves, to lose sight of why we got started in the first place. And we'll start to end up, we may fall into places where we're doing business with, or we're doing, you know, joint ventures or interactions with people who aren't values aligned with us. And that just, it, it muddies the waters really quickly. And often will leave, you know, heartache and headache in the wake of it afterwards. So I would say the, the two biggest things, whether you are a junior entrepreneur and you're just starting out or you're a seasoned pro, there is no better time than now to have a clear understanding of what your purpose is. Why in the hell are you doing this whole crazy thing? Like what's, what's the big, big vision for you? And, you know, and, and as an expression of your business, but also for you in life. And then number two is, is really understanding what your core values are and making sure every decision you make is a yes or no is, is this in alignment with my values? Mm-hmm. I love that. It takes the uh, second guessing away. It's either, my friend always tells me it's either a hell yes, or it's a hell no. <laughs> yeah. It makes it, it makes it really neat and clean. Yeah. And I think sometimes as humans, we try to make things work that don't necessarily work. And like, you're talking about your core values for entrepreneurs that are focused primarily on, you know, how easy it is to make money with an online business. You are, you're going to go in the wrong direction at some point and you're going to have to course correct. So I think being really clear about your values and and your purpose and who you want to support and how you want to support them will give you more joy and longevity in your business than, you know, tracking income and revenue and all that stuff. Absolutely. And if I could just acknowledge you for a minute too, I think you do this. I think you do this beautifully. You know, I see when you put posts up on Facebook and whatnot, and, and you're, you're talking about your business or you're creating opportunities for people to connect with you. There is always such a, I think you have such beautiful copy that goes with it of just, it's, it's very clearly you and it's very clearly in alignment. Like it feels good to read it. And, you know, sometimes I read people's posts about their business and they're talking about soliciting people. And I feel like I need to take a shower afterwards because it's <laughs> and, and fake. And yours, I feel like when I, after I finished reading, I feel like I just got done walking through a, a field of daffodils or something like that. It is, <laughs> it, it's enjoyable to experience. And I think that's, that's really where the beauty of business can be is it can be when we're expressing it as cleanly as you are, because it's just, it's an expression of self, of true self. Thank you. I appreciate that. That was really valuable to me coming from you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you. And we were talking a few minutes ago about, um, before we hit record about the difference in, you know, because we are on tech champagne and because I'm a tech nerd and I love teaching systems and automation, we were talking about when you started in coaching, kind of (laughs) what that experience was like with your coaching clients in different time zones. So if you could share that story, I think it's so fun. Yeah, I'll just say this, you know, as, as much as we joke about our pets being spoiled, us as entrepreneurs, we are so unbelievably spoiled now than we were a few yeah. years, just a few years ago. So I, I've been doing the coaching business for at least 10 years. And I had long aspired to be able to have that whole remote laptop lifestyle. I think before it was really a, a hashtag on social media. Mm-hmm. And when I first started doing it, you know, primarily it was 2010, 2011. And I was sharing with Elisa before we got on the story of how, so at that time there was only Skype. I remember when I found my first webinar software, I had to call them to ask them to be able to convert the video. And the video file was this little tiny thumbnail, basically that you would get. And it was, it was grainy and pixelated and everything. But I was, I was traveling in Europe and I had a call with somebody the next day. I had one client in Australia. I had one client in the U S and I had another client in some location in Europe. 
So there's, there's three different time zones going from the USA to Australia. It was like a 17 or 19 hour difference in Europe where I was in Europe. It was nine hours from the USA. And then it was, you know, I think 10 from Australia. And I remember I'd have to write all these down because there wasn't Calendly or anything that automatically connected <laughs> it. There wasn't the alerts popping up in your thing, converting these, letting you know. And I'd have to write them down, set alarms on my phone, hoping I had done the math right. Because sometimes when you're with Australia, I would sometimes add, you know, add a few hours on the front, then go backwards like that because it was easier. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, so I remember one time I woke up at two in the morning to do a call in the U.S. because it would be it would be late after an evening for the U.S. I went back to sleep for two hours, got up then to do a call with Australia, which would have been afternoon or something for them. And then, you know, just stayed awake at that point to do an AM call in Europe. And you just, you don't even have to do those things out. It, it, no. You only had Skype <laughs> and Skype would do still kind of its same little thing. There was no instant connect. There was no calendaring off of Skype. There was, there was nothing like that. It was, it, you, you clicked on the person, hope they popped up. And sometimes the video would work. And most of the time it was not anywhere, anything close to HD. <laughs> I love that story so much. Um, yeah, it was a, it was a journey. Yeah. <laughs> no mics, no headphones. I mean, the headphones oh, yeah, no. these big clunky ones. The, so there's a lot of <laughs> shouting, hey, can you hear me? Wait, what? <laughs> I would lean really close to my computer to try to, you know, listen through the static of Skype sometimes. Oh, yeah. It's, it's crazy different now. It is much, much, much different. I, attended a retreat, um, here. And then a few days later, I ended up flying to, to Thailand and launched a program there and had it all set before I went and it was all automated. And so cool. that is very different than how things were 10 years ago. That's so awesome. <laughs> I love it. And then you were talking about also, um, you know, freedom and flexibility are something I think that I, that you mentioned that really come through in your brand and the content you put up, you know, on Facebook. And when you share about your clients, to me, that's, that's the meaning of life for me, to be very honest, is freedom and flexibility. And I know for me, it allows me to be a better daughter, partner, dog, mom, friend, um, human, all the things. Um, so for you, what is, what does that look like? Like, what does a week look like for you? When I, when I started doing this, you know, the whole idea of the laptop lifestyle was travel, those kinds of things. And I realized one day that I was so out of alignment with why I even started this. I, I would instead was you know, pontificating about how proud I was of myself about waking up, working for 12 hours or so. And then, you know, I would fall asleep sometimes typing and then I could wake up the next morning, literally pick up right mid sentence where I'd fallen asleep the night before. And I would do that every single day over and over again. And I was like, this is so crazy. I'm out there telling, oh yeah, freedom and flexibility, but I'm just working, working, working. And I, and I love my work, mm -hmm. so don't get me wrong. And there's a healthy balance between it and not doing it. What was really eye-opening for me was, was in, was in a, a few years ago, I was at, in Puerto Rico with a couple friends. And my best friend was sitting there and there's four of us at the table. And I remember him saying, this is so great being here. I'm here with my, my three best friends. There's nowhere else I'd rather be. There's no way else I'd rather be with. And then right then his phone rings or buzzes or beeps. And so then he picks up his phone, starts scrolling and typing back. 
the next person next to him picked up their phone and didn't buzz or beep and they start scrolling just because that person did. Yeah. And I yeah. watched the person to my left. I know for a fact his didn't buzz, beep, ring, or ding because he was sitting right next to me. He picks <laughs> his phone up and he starts scrolling. And I'm sitting there watching this thinking, gosh, this is, this is not freedom and flexibility. This is enslavement that if yeah. we feel that we have to be di- dialed into a digital device. And so for me, it's freedom and flexibility says really it's the permission to be away from our devices. It's the permission to just be able to be and not have to do. So a typical day for me is I, I wake up really early. I usually wake up between two 30 and three in the morning. I go Ooh. to the gym first thing in the morning. I come back. I, after I do some stretching, eat, I read usually for 30 minutes or an hour or so in the morning. And then I have, you know, I'll have client calls off and on. I'll do whatever other work stuff. And then on a lot of days now, I try to start shutting things down by two or three in the afternoon and just okay. have that afternoon to hang out. Sometimes I'll have calls later in the evening. It, it depends. But when, one of the things that I do better now is I give myself permission to just have one thing going on in a moment and that's it. So something as simple as eating lunch. Now, when I eat lunch, I just eat my lunch as opposed Mm -hmm. to eating lunch, doing phone calls or eating lunch, responding to emails. You know, I might play eat lunch and play a a video game or something like that, or watch a silly YouTube video and just have it be simple, fun entertainment. But that was something that it's, it's such a simple little thing. I was up with a group a couple of weeks ago and it was a lunch break came up and we had about 20 minutes for lunch. And I watched the group, everybody picked up their lunch, ate it hurriedly while they were responding on their phones or responding to stuff on their laptop. I was the only one just sat there and ate. Yeah. And so we got done with lunch and I was relaxed and everybody else was, you know, was like stressed and still pressed for time. And I, I think that's the real magic of how I try to live my life now is it's, it's giving myself the, the gift of time. It's being intentional with it. You know, if I'm going to do something in the moment, I focus on it and then I move on to the next thing. And I, I remember some of the people on here, who are, the business owners will really appreciate this. I had the opportunity to speak to a, a gentleman several years ago, uh, net worth of several billion dollars. And he's older now. And I asked him, you know, what's the secret to your success? And he said, well, you know, the secret to my success really is I give myself five things. Like, what do you mean? He said, five things to do. That's it. He said, every day I wake up, I got five things I'm going to do that day. And if I get them done by 11 a.m., then I'm done for the day. So sometimes it might take me until four or five o'clock at night to get them done. Other days, I might take me a couple hours. But it's just five things. He said, that's my business. And then after that, the rest of my time is, is for life. I thought, wow, you know, that is so powerful because we've all heard concepts before, but coming from somebody who has put it into practice, who's at the top of the wealth pyramid, which is aspirational for so many of us to hear, it comes down to really just five things at a time when multitasking is one of the highest valued skill sets in in most applications, even though it's been scientifically proven that we can't multitask. No, no. (laughs) So it's, really something to consider about that is if, if I'm going to do something, I do my best to just focus on that and then be done, move on to the next thing. Yeah. You bring up a great point. And is that something that comes up a lot with your clients is, um, the, the problem of overstimulation. I know it's, I recently, and you know, we can change habits all the time. We have the freedom to do that. We have the freedom to change tiny habits, change big habits. One that I've changed recently that is 
been a game changer is not to sleep with my phone in my bedroom. My phone lives in the living room at nighttime. There is, and I had all these reasons before why I needed to have it in the bedroom in case of emergency, like nothing has happened in, yeah. in the 10 years I've had it in my but room. It required me to, but it might, but I mean, it's, that's really just kind of an excuse, right? Cause we wake up and scroll on Instagram. Yeah. That's not an emergency. <laughs> exactly. But then you're starting your day with this, like you said, you know, just eat your lunch. Just, yeah, eat, just do one thing, just sleep. Yeah. You're starting your day doing a fire drill reacting as opposed to being yes. intentional. Yeah. And that leads to, as you know, you're well-versed obviously in the health and wellness space that leads to, you know, um, overstimulation leads to stress, which affects your hormones, which then affects your, your weight and your nervous system and everything. So that's one thing I've tried to do, but is that something you work with your clients on quite a bit is kind of taking the tech out and mellowing out a little bit? Yeah, I, I, I love, yeah. I'm so grateful for technology and what it can allow us to do. Mm-hmm. You know, just even something as simple as this, which has become so common stance. Again, you and I, we were just laughing. This wasn't the norm a few years ago. Mm-mm. And I, so I'm so grateful for what technology affords us to do. And there is such a beautiful world out there beyond our devices. One of the things that I really practice with my clients is this notion of, so resistance is always, well, I, I can't step away that long because people are always expecting me to respond, right? I have mm-hmm. to get back. If, I, if I'm not by my phone right away, if I don't respond right away, there'll be a hundred emails. And I said, and I always ask why. And after, after a conversation, inevitably part of the reason why there's a hundred emails is because they have conditioned the person on the other end to that they will always instant respond. And inevitably what happens is in those kinds of things is our communication is inefficient because we're often not saying what we need to say. Instead, we're just keeping open dialogue. I will be there at one o'clock. It's clean. It's clear versus, yeah, what time's good for you? You write back, you know, and that exchange goes back and forth. And sometimes those are okay. But if we have a hundred of those a day, that's problematic if we're not just being clear with it. But most of the stuff that comes through is not the house is on fire kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It could wait an hour. It could wait three hours. It could be wait until the end of the day and it'll be okay. And the world will keep turning. So I really encourage them to one, have block times when they're interacting with people. You know, yes. if, you're, if you're going to be doing any sort of communication with people, email, text, whatever it is, you check your device, you check your email between these hours and these hours, you do it two or three times a day and that's it. And then as you start to slow down your response time, people start to realize they have permission to not have to instant respond to you. And you have this beautiful thing called more meaningful communication because mm-hmm. we realize our time is finite and we don't have the luxury of just 50 emails to spit out what we really try to spit out. So I really, really am adamant about that. And then two, giving themselves permission to check out of work. You know, it's, it's so important that as entrepreneurs, we're really clear on who our role model for entrepreneurship is. You know, many of us, we jump into it and we look at the Elon Musk or something like that. And, and he's kind of the aspiration for so many. Oh, I want to be the next Elon Musk. And if you really step back and think about what that is, well, Elon Musk you know, was sleeping on his floor, sleeping in the closet when they're starting PayPal, all those types of things, mm-hmm. working seven days a week, you know, 15 to 18 hours a day, multiple broken relationships, strange, strange friendships. Has the man been very successful? Absolutely. Is that the life everybody wants? 99.99% of the people who think they do, it is not. So 
broaden your base of who your entrepreneurial role model is. I only say, you know, like, is it a Richard Branson or is it Elon Musk? Do you want to be in a boardroom or do you want to be in board shorts? And, and those are really <laughs> powerful distinctions for people, right? Like while Elon Musk is building yeah. rockets, Richard Branson's going up into space. And if we step back and allow ourselves permission to broaden the scope of who our role models are, who our aspirations are linked to, we'll start to be able to identify behaviors those people do, not just professionally, but personally too, that allow them to become the human they are. Wow. So much good stuff in that little tidbit, Jesse. Thank you. Yeah. I'm really, I'm really excited to share this uh, podcast with the world. I think it's going to be great. Um, one last thing that I want to share, because we are kind of a tech and tool focused podcast here. You mentioned uh, when we were chatting earlier about wallpaper on your phone, kind of a little hack for productivity. Yeah. So I have long, well, I shouldn't say long. For some time now, I have often used my wallpaper to write down my goals or write down business goals. So income you want to earn, how many people you want to contact, those types of things, which is great. So every time I go to look on my phone, it's right there. That is extremely valuable real estate because it is the one space you are always going to interact with when you are engaging in technology. And they said the average person checks their phone sometimes between two to 400 times a day. So if oh, you think man. about that, if you're that average and you're checking at the low end 200 times a day, that's 200 contact points you're going to have with an image or text that your unconscious mind is going to process. Now, if that image or text is inspiring or uninspiring, emotionally, it's going to impact you. So what I was, I was telling Elisa before this is I, you know, I've often used the, the written goals for it, and it's been inspiring to a point, but where I'm at in my life right now, what really gets me on an emotional high is thinking about having time with my cat, you know, being able to do those <laughs> things together. And, and when I look at photos like her and I gauge my emotional response, my emotional response is much higher to her than it is to those written goals. So I'm switching over my wallpaper because inevitably she benefits from those goals, right? I look at those oh, goals, yeah. I associate like, oh, that's more toys for her, more wands, you know, more tunnels, <laughs> all things. And that's really, really important is because we want to look, we want to always put emotion behind the numbers, right? What is that the end piece of that that's going to be emotionally the most meaningful to us? And so now I already have that association and I switch it over to a picture of her. Every time I look at that, I'm going to have that emotion that I want associated to those goals in the first place. And it's just going to make me in. Uh, so then I'm going to carry that emotional state into whatever interaction I'm using the phone for, whether it's doing a call, whether it's doing an email, whether it's replying to a text, whether it's, you know, it's whatever that is, I'm going into it at a peak emotional state. I love that. That's fantastic. And I, I think that is, uh, that's a great tool for people to have. And there's also a little thing on your phone that tells you how many times you're picking your phone up during the day, which is surprising when you look at it and you're like, oh my gosh, or your sure. screen time tally or any of that. Oh, so good. So yeah, I think it's great to use it for good and not evil. So put yes. your goals right there on your wallpaper with a picture of, you know, one of your loved ones. So yeah, I love that. That's such a great, a great hack, Jesse. Thank you for sharing. And thank you for sharing all the goodness about you and your business and your people and, you know, the communities that you're creating. I just think the work that you're doing and the support you provide is, is so valuable. So thank you for all the good that you're doing in the world. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. It's my pleasure. 
Yeah. And let's share um, how people can find you. What's the best way for people to connect with you? I'm all over all the, I think most of social media is so Jesse Brizendine at Jesse Brizendine websites, Jesse Brizendine. So type my name and I'll pop up. Okay, perfect. Well, thanks again for being here. And uh, I look forward to seeing you in real life at some point soon. Yes, me too. We'll, we'll do, this, we'll do uh, <laughs> real champagne. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay. Thanks so much for listening and I will see everybody on the next episode. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for spending your time with me today. I hope this episode brought you exactly what you needed. If you had fun today, be sure to hit the subscribe button or leave me a review. Your support means the world to me and it helps other women entrepreneurs find the show as well. And if you're looking for a free place to connect and learn more about creating your own six-figure online business, check out my Facebook group, Empowered Entrepreneurs. See you on the next episode.